Acts 20, 17 to 38. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and to, to distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, well, I wonder how much, how much of a crier are you? Are you, are you somebody who, I don't know, get set off just by watching a TV advert? Or are you kind of more like, nope, I've got two emotions, tired and hungry. Well, it turns out I'm a bit of both, okay? Uh, you put me in front of a film and watch, and probably with about 10 minutes to go till the ending, I've got my sleeves, just a little dab, and normally Emily will turn around to me and say, are you crying? And I, no, I'm not crying. You're crying. But the rest of the life, rest of my life, actually, tears don't come so quickly, so freely. In fact, they only tend to come at the major moments, and moments that are 
totally imprinted on my mind. I don't know if it's the same, same for you. I can, I can picture exactly uh, the places I was and, 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 and the sort of scenes of what was going on vividly. I remember, I remember standing behind a pillar, hiding in Heathrow Airport, peering round to watch my parents go through security as they moved away to China. I, I, I remember standing at the front of St. Giles Church in West Bridgeford in Nottingham and turning around to see Emily in her wedding dress walk towards me. I, I remember the windowless room in Lancaster Hospital where the ultrasound said there wasn't a heartbeat for our baby. I, I remember being on the phone in the John Radcliffe Hospital on the, uh, speaking to my best friend, going, I've got a baby, I've got a boy, it's fantastic. I don't know what to do. And most recently, I remember sitting uh, in a hospital room in the city hospital in Nottingham uh, saying goodbye to Emily's mum. All moments marked, major moments, for all sorts of reasons, all kinds of emotions marked by tears. All of you have your own stories. All of you uh, will have those, those times, you remember, where you've just been hit by something, by great joy, great sorrow. And it's brought you to tears, whether you're somebody who cries at an advert or only has those two emotions. Now, I don't share what, you know, those experiences of me to get you thinking mostly about my life. But just to get us into the uh, passage that we just heard Ruth read from the, the second half of Acts 20. Because what's going on is clearly a major moment. This is a heck of a lot of tears. Just, just remember how it ends in verse 36. When Paul had finished speaking, we're told he knelt down with all of them. And prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. So Paul has met up uh, with some leaders of the, the church in Ephesus, where he'd lived for, uh, for a few years until quite recently. Uh, he calls them, one place, elders. He also calls them overseers, shepherds. I guess they're the kind of people we might call pastors or ministers or vicars. Just words for church leaders. And Paul said to them, he's not gone to Ephesus, he's, he's about a day's walk away in Miletus, and he says, come to me, come to me. And it, this isn't a boss saying to, to his staff, right, you've got a meeting, come. This, this is a, a group of much-loved friends taking a precious opportunity uh, to meet together. That's why these church leaders are more than happy to, to have walked for a whole day to go and find Paul where he was. They'd been in each other's lives for something like three years. Now Paul says to them, this is the last time you're going to see me. These are Paul's last moments, last words to some very precious friends. No wonder there's weeping. But one of you, you heard as, as Ruth read, these tears at the end, these tears of goodbye are not the only tears in the passage. This is a passage that's absolutely overflowing with emotion. These verses and what Paul has to say to these church leaders uh, begins with him saying, well, you remember how I came amongst you and I, verse 19, served the Lord with great humility and with tears. And then again, uh, at the end of verse 31, he says, remember that for three years I never stopped warning you, each of you, day and night, with tears. These verses are full of emotion. And along with the emotion, there's, there's an incredible kind of sense of self-sacrifice 
Uh, Paul speaks of when he was amongst them and how he put himself in all kinds of danger for the people in Ephesus and the people who lived there. He goes on to remind them, uh, these church leaders, how he wasn't after their money. He wasn't trying to get rich. He wasn't trying to get popular. He wasn't trying to have an easy life. He didn't want their silver or gold or clothing. He covered his costs and the costs of those who were with him. And he worked hard. He says, in everything I did, verse 35, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We're told after this, this meeting, Paul's going to go on to Jerusalem, and he knows what's going to happen to him. He knows he's going to be put behind bars, and he's going to be eating prison porridge. Why does Paul do that? Why is he willing to do that? Why, why this life of incredible self-sacrifice? Paul says it in verse 24. He says this. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. And this incredible self-sacrifice isn't because Paul is some kind of superhuman person. It's because God is at work in his life. He's got the Holy Spirit working and living in him. So you've got this, these verses and what Paul says, it's full of emotion. It's full of this incredible self-sacrifice. And there's a focus on God's message. What did Paul do when he was in Ephesus? He says he preached and he taught and he declared and he proclaimed. He did it when people gathered together like this. He did it when people were in their houses. He went from house to house. Paul goes on and, and gives this great warning to the church leaders of a, of a danger that's coming. There will be some who will distort God's message. And then he commits these church leaders, verse 31, to God and to the word of his grace. These, these are church leaders who are to share Paul's focus on God's message. So, okay, here we have at the end of Acts 20, second half, verses that are stuffed fuller and more jam-packed than those blue and white school buses that go through the village each day, full of emotion and self-sacrifice and a focus on God's message. Why? Why? Why are these verses so full of emotion, so full of self-sacrifice, so focused on God's message? Well, remember, these are Paul's final words and final moments with precious friends. Of course there's going to be emotion. Of course there's going to be remembering stories from the past. But this is more than flicking through the, the photo book or scrolling through the photos on the phone or making sure that everything needs to be passed on or that needs to be passed on has been passed on. Because these precious friends are also church leaders. And so... In these final words, these final moments with them, the emotion, the self-sacrifice, the focus on God's message, I think points us to two things. The first one is that the message about Jesus is what really matters. Second of all, the people who belong to Jesus are what's really precious. So first, the message of Jesus is what really matters. What took Paul to Ephesus in the first place? The message of Jesus. What was it that stirred Paul to tears in Ephesus? It was the message about Jesus. What was it that Paul was willing to risk his life over? It was the message about Jesus. What was it that Paul wanted the Ephesian church leaders to hold on to? It was the message about Jesus. The message about Jesus is what is really important. It's what really matters. It's a message for everyone. All kinds of people, all types of people. That's what Paul says, verse 21. He says, 
I declare to both Jews and Greeks, that's Paul's way of just saying everyone, that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. See, the message about Jesus turns lives around. It turns people's lives back to God. That's what repentance means. It's a turning around from having our backs to God. Instead of making our lives about anything and everything that isn't God, it's to make our lives all about him by putting our faith, building our lives on Jesus. Later on in these verses, Paul describes the message about Jesus as good news, God's grace. Jesus is good news because he's, he's God coming to find us, even when we've got our backs to him, telling us that he's not given up on us and that he loves us. Not because there's just something about you that's a bit special. Not because there's anything that makes us stand out, but because God has chosen to. Because he's made us. And he loves us. And he sent Jesus to make it possible for us to be able to turn back to God. To come home. To know and experience real life. And it cost Jesus everything. That's why he died on the cross. To undo our sin. To undo our failings. To set us free. To turn our lives around. And he's been raised to new life. And, and, and from that point, Jesus invites any who will accept to step into it. We've had it. We've heard about it in Ashley's life. We've seen it pictured in baptism this morning. If the message about Jesus this morning sounds like bad news, I'm really sorry, I've done a pants job. If the message about Jesus doesn't sound like news at all, I'm really sorry. Again, I've done a pants job job because the message of Jesus is good news maybe you're somebody he's come along to church for years and years and years but you've never quite got to that moment of turning to God and putting your faith in him what's stopping you why not this morning make that step like Ashley described and maybe you've started coming along to Luke's maybe you've started tuning in recently and actually you're thinking yes Jesus is good news and I, and I want to follow him. I want my life to be about him. Again, what's stopping you? I want to make this morning that moment. And maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you've come because um, Ashley and Rachel invited you along. I wonder what you make of this all. The message about Jesus is what really matters. And maybe you are somebody who goes, actually, do you know what? It's in just the moment to make this decision. I want to be baptized too. That is you. Please tell somebody. Come and tell me. I'm having a great day already. But you could make it even better. But it's not just about that. It's because the message of Jesus really is what really matters. And because the message about Jesus is what really matters, it means the people who belong to Jesus are what's really precious. You probably know the story Jesus told it. A parable about a man who digs in a field and finds treasure, yeah? Do you know the story? And he covers it over again. What's he going to do? Goes and buys the field, doesn't he? So that treasure is his. And we read it and we think, yeah, we're the person. We find the treasure. The treasure is, is Jesus and uh, the message of the kingdom and belonging to him and having real life and forgiveness. Uh, and we give all that we've got to be part of it. You know, you can read that story another way. What if we're the treasure? What if you are the treasure? And the one who comes to find the treasure 
is Jesus. And he gives everything he's got for you. God's people are infinitely precious. The passage describes it, they're bought with blood. Jesus' blood on the cross. There's no higher price. I'm going to make you do something really awkward now. Have a look around. Just take a moment. Have a look around. See who's here. Oh, it's a bit awkward, isn't it? <laughs> Try not to catch someone's eye. <laughs> okay, it's a bit awkward, but my, my point is, you're here as a follower of Jesus. Together, we are precious, blood-bought brothers and sisters. I think that is something that helps us to realize we need to be committed to our church community, committed to each other. Um, we've been going on about it for a few weeks now, uh, and I've gone and lost my bit of paper, but there we go. Uh, about serving on a Sunday. Um, as we regather and restart services, there are jobs that need to be doing, and we're doing that not because I love rotors. Here's, here's, here's something. I hate rotors. I loathe them. They're very useful, though. But we're not doing... building teams for serving on Sundays because we love rotors, but because we love each other. I want to take this opportunity to serve because we are precious. It's why Paul gives that dramatic warning uh, to the Ephesian church leaders in verses 28 and 29. Uh, It's not something you're going to see on Country File or Clarkson's Farm, shepherding. We don't suddenly think of kind of savage wolves. When was the last time you saw that on TV in Country File? You don't, do you? It's because it's a different world. But there's, there's a warning because when God's precious people are taken away from the message about Jesus that really matters, it's devastating. And that's why we want to keep the Bible and what God says at the heart of our life here. It's why we gave Emily a Bible today. But just as uh, God's people, without God's message about Jesus, is, is devastating, if we have God's message but not God's people, that just doesn't make sense. We need both. The message about Jesus is what really matters, and the people who belong to Jesus are what's really precious. And I guess if we, if we got that, when we look at our life together as a church community, we're probably going to see emotion. We're probably going to see some incredible self-sacrifice. And we're going to see a focus on God's message. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for Jesus. For the many stories of your grace to us through him. I pray you would remind us again, or maybe for the first time, that the the message that really matters in our lives is Jesus. And would you help us to know that church isn't just something we come to on a Sunday, isn't just a, a, a group we belong to, but is your precious, blood-bought, much-loved people. Why do you grow our love for each other? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.